Welcome to Femme Collective with Katie, Stacy, and Mai. Welcome back to season two, episode two of Femme Collective podcast. We are so excited for this episode. We're so excited that you're joining us again for the second episode of the season. So welcome back. Um, If this is your first episode since the last season, I'm glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Today's topic is going to be balancing motherhood and a demanding career. Um, I think we can all relate to this one (laughs) um, as mamas. And then um, one of our listeners and one of our groups and our, one of our members in our our, um, Facebook group actually requested this topic. And they also asked questions about it in the group. And it was a great conversation because I think not only do we face that issue, but a lot of moms do. So we wanted to make sure that we actually talked about that and touched on that subject. So I'm going to just start with my thoughts on this. This is a huge topic for me. I love talking about it. So I'm going to try to keep myself in control over here, but I want to just touch first on my personal experience. And we're going to have some of the other ladies share theirs too. But I mean, transitioning into motherhood and balancing career and motherhood was the reason I even started listening to podcasts. Like, because I was like, um, help, what am I supposed to do here? How does this all work? (laughs) And, um, so just the biggest thing, since we want to really manage the time here is that my hardest times balancing motherhood and career has been primarily when my kids get sick. Like that's the peak for me, or maybe the low, if you will. (laughs) And when it was first happening, I was just like overcome with feelings of stress and strain and where the strain is for moms when their kids are sick. And for me personally is when you have a demanding career that does not stop moving just because you got to stop and pause to take care of your kiddos. And then, so that train is moving And that's pulling at your heart because it's important to you as an ambitious woman who wants a career. And then one of the biggest heartstrings for you is your kids. So the strain is that how much do I focus on my career and still keep that moving while the biggest piece of my heart needs me right now? That was the strain for me. And it took a while for me to start learning how to manage that. And so the best way that I've been able to manage that honestly is just relying on God's grace and then not being scared of those feelings when they come in, like addressing them, like you are stressed right now. Don't run away from that. Sit with it for a minute and just acknowledge it and say, like, I've been here before God's grace is sufficient. Thank you, Lord, for your discernment in what to do and when. And then we've talked about this on some other episodes, but like try to work somewhere that understands these things a little bit. Right. And I think the other thing for me is just knowing that I'm not alone. I have my friends out here too. I have Katie and my, like, they're always supporting me when this happens. And I tell them pretty much every time my kids are sick, like have that mom tribe too to support you because there's not only a practical and tactical aspect of trying to like balance it all, but there's that emotional support that I think you really need. And then the other big thing for me, when my kids get sick and there's a huge strain on my motherhood and my career is having a spouse that's supportive and then communicating with that spouse. Like that's a big thing for me because I'm non-confrontational naturally. And I don't want to like alarm my spouse and be like, I need you. Or I need you. I put all these demands on you. And so I think it's that communication piece of, Hey, I got this going on Monday and Tuesday. 
how are we going to make this work? So that's been one of the biggest things that have helped me during that most strenuous stage for me between motherhood and career. So I want to hear from the other ladies on this a little bit. My, can you talk about like what your personal experiences have been with the demands in motherhood and career and like what you do to try to manage all that? I mean, like you said, we, we all go through it and, and, and we're, we're currently at different, slightly different stages when it comes to our kids. They're all little and under seven. Right. But, um, as I know, I've noticed is like every year, every six months, you're like at a different stage <laughs> and you're able to, um, do things a little differently. And I feel like I'm in a good place right now with my kids. They're six and four. Um, I was just telling my mom last night that, um, I let them pick out their own clothes. They wear what they're going to wear. I let them tell me what snack do you want? They're at a low level at the pantry. They know what the healthy snacks are, what the unhealthy snacks are. Right. We talked about it they go get it themselves. And um, I'm at a good place. It's, 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 it's go, going okay right now. And um, thanks for rubbing and, it in. And I, I, I would that. love to share with you guys <laughs> and others, you know, what are some things I've done? But um, at first, when I first became a mom, you know, the hardest things for me is like I've said before in the season one, I'm type A, I'm an extrovert. I'm usually pretty structured overall. And so becoming a mom kind of just shatters all of that because First of all, your body is a new body. So you don't even feel like yourself and whatever routine you had before has to go out the window because now you're trying to keep a whole person alive with the help of another, of course. But what I learned most and, and one of my biggest challenges was that I would always default to what my mom did. And my mom was an amazing mom, but she was a single mother. So there were things that my mom did that were just not... Um, going to work in my home where I, I was co-parenting, where I did have my spouse, a very supportive spouse. And I would just take on a lot. And so mentally I was just overloaded and I would, the to-do lists were constantly growing. I was always stressed out. I have to nurse at 5 a.m. I have to nurse at 5 p.m. I have to pump. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to make their food. And I would never, I noticed then that I was not as good of a communicator as I thought I was. I was just internalizing it and then being acting resentful towards my husband. And at times he was just like, what is going on? Like, I don't know what you're doing and what needs to be done. And so I can't help you. And so what's helped me just evolve from that is a complete mindset just shift to where I've realized I'm not a single mom, right? I, I don't have to take on all this weight, all these responsibilities. I am not, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. No matter what I thought of myself before, I'm not going to do things perfectly the first time, second time, or even the third time. I may never get it right in some instances when it comes to my kids because they're their own people and they're growing and evolving as well. But I have to be okay with that. So, and just accepting that and understanding that I can't do this alone and I need my, my husband, I've learned that I need to over-communicate. And over-communicate communicate could be as simple as, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. Or, hey, I'm going to go take a bath now, right? It can be as simple as that. <laughs> I'm going to go do this and I need you. Yeah to take care of the kids. Or it can be elaborate as we have a magnet calendar. It's on the refrigerator, a magnet weekly, you know, to-do list to where I take the time personally to dump everything I know is coming on those calendars so that my husband can see it. And we know, Hey, it's on the calendar, right? I'm doing this and I'm gonna need you to do that. I, we have, even have a whole color coding system to where different colors mean different things. But we've come to this point now as I, our kids are getting older and they have different activities and doctor's appointments to where we need to be transparent and I cannot be the sole 
um, owner of their medical schedules, their school schedules, their developmental like leaps and all these things that are happening. I can't do that. And I don't have to. So I've just learned over communicating and being organized is, is just a must and you have to be intentional about it. And it does take some effort. And then I've also learned that it's okay if I need a break. It, it is okay if I'm overwhelmed, especially now with COVID. My family's just getting over COVID. We were home together for 10 straight days. And as much as I love them, that was 10 days of just me and my kids and my husband at all times. And sometimes it was like, yeah, I'm about to go take an hour in the room. I'm going to do my own thing. And this is mommy's quiet time. My kids have a daily quiet time requirement for them to take breaks as well. And so I just call it that. They know what it means. And it's like, if you need something, go to daddy. Or how about this? You don't need anything. Go watch TV. You can get your own snacks. (laughs) Because I try my best now to not just be vulnerable and honest with my husband, but also to do it with them. So they can see like, mommy's not perfect. And in moments when she's tired and sad, she takes breaks. And then she talks to us about it. And it's okay. I'm That's just so I'm healthy. Just, I mean, it's it, it's helped. I've learned that for me, it's healthy because I have to do it because if I don't like express it, then I just bottle it up. Right. And even though they're little, I'm not going to tell them like my biggest worries about the world, but I can share like, hey, guys, I'm kind of tired right now. And I think I need to close my eyes for 20 minutes. Will you guys be OK? Do you need anything? And if you do, daddy's available and, and let them know that daddy and mommy are a team and that we help each other out, and that that's what I hope for them as well, to know that they're not alone and that they have a team and a support system around them. Man, my, you're the goat. <laughs> for yeah, real. Over here, taking notes. Okay, there's two quick things I want to touch on um, before we hear from Katie on her experiences, and that's what you said about your mom. I think that a lot of women are default sometimes can tend to be to be like, well, this is what my mom did. I personally have done that with my mom. She was such a great and loving mom. She was a servant to us. Like I, I just remember having the greatest memories about feeling so loved, feeling so honored as a child. And so I put that same expectation on myself to be that loving of a mom, to be that serving of a mom. We're talking about like expectation versus reality. And I think that's a huge concept when it comes to balancing career and motherhood. We put all of these expectations on how we think things should look, no matter where that comes from along our lives and experiences. And then when we don't meet that, now we're all stressed. Now we're discombobulated. Now we feel all chaotic because I have this picture in my head and I'm not meeting that. And so whatever that comes from, whether it's your own mom or whoever, you got to recalibrate. Who are you as a mom? Who do you want to be as a mom? What are your strengths? And then like my referred to earlier, what areas can you grow in that align with who you want to be as a mother. And that's how you can transition into that sweet spot of being able to be agile and be true to who you are as a mom. And the other big thing, this isn't a parenting episode, but I have to touch on what Maya said about vulnerability with your children. That's like a new shift, I think, in motherhood, because when I grew up, my my parents weren't vulnerable with me. Like, man, I'm having a rough day today. Can you go use some of your own quiet time? Give me a couple of minutes to regroup. You know, me and my husband have been talking about this is that we talk to our kids a lot, but they learn way more from watching what we do. They pick up on everything we do, everything we say in actual conversation, not what we're actually telling them to do. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to actually show what that looks like. 
here's how you can be vulnerable. And it shows them how to have communication and all those things. So I just love that you said that. Katie, what about you and your personal experience and what you got going on over there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, gosh, I, I agree. My, you are just so crazy good at putting these things into words and like just everything you have going on in your family and the things you've learned, you've had, you, you were the first mother of all of us. And I know that you helped us all with our transitions into motherhood too. So we just continue to learn, 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 and soak it up from my and her experience. And I'm, I'm so lucky to have you, you know, my mentioned a couple of things about like, I cannot be the keeper of when people need to go to the doctor, what things we need from the grocery store. You know, I got to get the oil changed in the car. We cannot be the keeper of all those things, which is called the mental load. I don't know if anyone's ever read that. There's a really famous article that yep. came out several yeah. years ago, right? Yeah. About like yeah. The, the mental load that women and mothers are carrying around with them in addition to the things that they do that are physical, right? And so, yeah, I mean, you've got to ask your partner for help. And if you don't have a partner, family, friends, anyone who offers that help to you, as hard as it is to admit that you need help, it's sometimes hard to accept it too, but try to work on doing that as well. Um, I think that one of the things that has helped with balancing a demanding career in motherhood for me is that, and I know some of our listeners are, are in this space because I think this question that we're addressing in this, uh, in this episode here is a, a listener who said, should I even be working? you know, like I, uh, you know, I don't have to work. And a lot of my family members tell me I don't, I shouldn't, mm-hmm. or I don't need to, how do I balance that? Like my desire for, you know, being empowered in that way with not really needing to. And, and, and am I, you know, I think she was feeling a little bit guilty of spending mm-hmm. more time at work than with her children. And, you know, so, so one of the first things I would say is try to feel solid in your decision to work. I think that's kind of the, that's a basic that we kind of have, uh, we haven't really touched on yet, but yeah, I mean, feel solid in that decision because you know, that showing up as the best you depends on you being fulfilled in ways that may not include or, or may not be limited just to your children and your spouse, right? right? And if it is, that's okay too. But for a lot of working women, um, it's because we derive joy from that. We feel empowered from, from giving ourselves, um, you know, our talents, uh, you know, to our, our corporation or agency or, or whatever it is for their mission. And so if that is a core value of yours, where you derive joy, try to feel empowered by this decision. Uh, the other thing I would say is that boundaries are really, really important. And I think when you have children, you have an opportunity to use them to create a natural boundary and not, <laughs> not use the leverage. Like, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, you know, um, one of our, all of our mutual friends, um, I won't name her right now, but she told me this years ago, she said, your children actually create these natural boundaries for you. Cause you have to say, I have to go pick up my kid. I'm sorry. I can't meet after five o'clock. I'm sorry. I have, you know, my, my family is, you know, we do dinner every night or, you know, I'm not going to be at work until eight because I've got to drop my children off at daycare. And so you have this ability, you know, kind of almost immediately to try your best to assert those boundaries from the beginning. And even if you didn't do that from the beginning, you have the opportunity right now to do it. And no one can challenge you on that. I mean, yeah, 
and and don't apologize for it. Right. I think that's the one big takeaway that we've learned is that I don't have to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to go get my kids. I'm just going to say, hey, it's four o'clock. I'm going to go pick up my kids now. My work day's over. Let's talk about this tomorrow. First thing and just move on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and yet no apologies, no apologies necessary. And that really comes with experience. Although I'm hoping that maybe the new generation entering the workforce, maybe it doesn't become something you have to learn, but that you already know, but that's where we can come in in terms of mentoring and coaching and, and making sure that, you know, early tenured women employees stop apologizing for things we don't need to be sorry for. You know, I think that Stacy mentioned this earlier, like stress, anxiety, frustration, sadness, all of these things are going to be part of your regular life. They're going to be heightened at times. Like when you have to keep your full-time job going and you have sick children at home, like there are going to be highs and lows of this. And my therapist is really helping me reframe some of these feelings and some of these emotions like stress and anxiety not to try to do something to get rid of them, right? Like it's not, it's not like, Hey, okay. If you feel stress, go out and run five miles, (laughs) you know, instead it's about like, I mean, Stacy said this already, you know, just kind of sitting there feeling those feelings and not trying to get rid of them because there's some neuroscience behind this. But if your brain is registering something as a threat, like a feeling like stress or anxiety as a threat and your reaction is to get rid of it, then it continues to register it as a threat. If you don't do that and instead you welcome it, you sit there, you feel it, your brain is continuing to learn that this feeling is normal and safe and you're going to be okay. And the byproduct of that is a decline in those feelings. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yes. Oh, I I've, I've got to share some of that, you know, some more detailed information on that because it has just changed my life and the way that I'm like viewing this. So as anxiety happens, I used to like, okay, I need to do something. I need to get rid of this feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Like, please, please make this stop. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do some slow breathing. I'm going to do all this stuff instead. Now I'm like, bring it. Okay. Like this is just a normal part of life. And I'm going to look at this as an opportunity to sit here, understand how I feel and move on with my day. So I really, really wanted to say something about like, this stuff is just going to be a normal part of our life. And there are ways to deal with it. Really kind of the last thing I wanted to say is something I know every single person on the planet probably struggles with is being present, put, put your phone down and be with your family. And there's going to be time later for you to, you know, scroll and, and check out what's going on in the world and all of that. But there's a, there's a term, I don't know if y'all have heard it called fubbing, like F H U B B I N G. And it is a term that has, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, organically come about as people look down and, and are doing something else while you're with them you're getting snubbed by people's phones and it's called fubbing and it's a real thing. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Like now you've put a term to this because for me, there is something, it just irks me. It just drives me insane where, I mean, I I don't mind the quick, like sometimes your phone buzzes and you look at it and then you put it down and then you give the person the attention back, but they'll just, they're talking. You're like, Oh really? Oh, okay. And then, uh huh, uh huh, and it's like it's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful of people's time, of, of just who they are as a person. And sometimes and you're almost saying like, my phone is way more important than you. 
So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, you're saying some words. I don't really need to give you the full attention because what I got going on here is just more valuable to me. It, it and that hurt. Yeah, it, it, it could not be more rude, but think about this in the context of your family, right? So when you're home, be home, be with them, get on the floor and play that game mm-hmm. or do the thing with your children or your spouse. If you're having dinner with them after the kids go to sleep, put your phone away. There really is going to be like an hour or two after dinner, you know, but there's going to be some time for you to do that. Like, so just try to focus your energy and your attention on your family when you do have that limited time during the weekday as a working parent. And really that's kind of, those are kind of the things that I've, I have found that have worked for me. Yeah, that's all really good. I think this is going to be super helpful. And I want to make a note to that. We'll try to find some information on some of the stuff that Katie was talking about around the neuroscience of it all, because I think this is kind of a newer conversation that's coming up. I mean, before I feel like the conversation was geared more towards, like she talked about, how do you get rid of the stress? How do you manage your stress instead of really diving into it and letting it pass through? And like, you're retraining your brain, how to healthy in a healthy manner, process the different emotions that are going to come in out. And that's just what they are. Emotions are real, but they're not always fact. So hopefully we can link, find some stuff to link. So people who want to investigate that more can look into that because it's so critical and important. And the other thing that Katie talked about that I want to touch on a little bit is she talked about the career piece and deriving joy outside of your motherhood role. And that's so important. We've talked about postpartum depression. I've shared my story And one of the huge things for me that have helped me through that and do the inner work and come to a better place is doing the things that light me up, whether it's my career, whether it's weightlifting and pouring into Stacey, pouring into myself, whether it's going and hanging out with friends, you have to find other things that are going to help you because it all interrelates all of the things with stress, with motherhood, with career, balancing who you are. It's that inner work that you've got to really start addressing and doing so that you're in a better place to manage it all. So I'm really glad she touched on that. And then there was one other thing I wanted to talk about, which is how Katie talked about how, where, you know, hopefully moving forward, it's not going to be such a huge thing where you have to be the one to really like set all these boundaries at work and set all these boundaries with friends. And I was doing this devotional recently, and it talked about like running the race, running the race where you're passing the baton on. And that's what we're doing right now. Like we are kind of rebuilding and repackaging what it looks like to be a mom and set boundaries so that the next generation, when they come through, it's going to be a whole elevated other level that they're addressing. So there's, I want you to recognize that you are part of building a tapestry, a legacy for future moms. So this is why this is so critical for you to start digging into that inner work and reevaluating how you manage everything. So Katie, I want to hear from you a little bit more about what you think employers can do, because I think sometimes there may be individuals that don't have a lot of experience with moms or they don't really know what we need. What do you think employers and organizations can do to support moms who are trying to navigate, not just moms, but parents too, because fathers are playing a bigger role now too. So it's not just moms, but just parents in general. Praise Jesus. Yes. I, you know, I think you know, where we work does a pretty nice job of it. It's a nice blueprint on understanding and valuing uh, work-life balance and having some programs for parents. Like we actually have paid parental leave now, which was, I'm so sorry, girls. I know that y'all didn't get this benefit because it was instituted right before my daughter was born, Triggered, but I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
but I mean, they, you know, better late than never, like hooray for progress. I know we all feel that way, but you know, 12 weeks of paid family leave. I have never felt more loyal or more cared for than when that was announced. And I said as much um, to the head of our organization in an email right before I went on parental leave was like, please, I hope you consider this because this will make me feel so important. And I'm so glad that they, they did decide to implement it, but, you know, having these programs to address what I think are sometimes the root cause of separations. I mean, this kind of goes back to our previous episode when we talk about the great resignation and people leaving what organizations need to do to try to prevent this from happening is to know what makes people leave. What makes people choose a different career path than the organization that they're with in terms of what they need as being parents as a kind of a rough sentence, but um, you know, it's like, like try to figure this out before you have a great resignation. Okay. Try to figure out what parents need. And you know how you do that is you ask them, you ask people directly, like crazy, crazy idea here, (laughs) you know, like have a focus group, send out a survey. People are not going to be tired of talking about what it is they need, particularly if it's anonymous and you will get your information that you need in order to build a targeted retention program for parents. If that is the group of people you want to retain or that you find yourself losing that you don't want to lose. So I I think there's a way to figure it out. Everyone's different. Every organization is different. Their policies are different. But I think if you can find out what is important to parents and then try to fit your policies, your processes, and just your general like human beingness around that, you know, like be understanding of people who have other commitments and, you know, family needs. I think it's, it all comes back to compassion too. Yeah, I think that's huge. And we've talked about diversity a little bit on some other episodes and it's not just diversity and like gender and ethnicity, but there's parental diversity. Like parents bring a whole other skill set to the game and that compassion piece we bring, that empathy piece we bring, the ability to manage logistically lots of moving parts at the same time. There's just a skill set that's developed. So I want to touch on that as far as like moms, dads, whoever is listening, that's a parent is that know your equity, know the equity that you've put into your career, know the skill sets that you bring to the table and have that in the back of your mind when you're looking and discussing about where you want your career to go to. And I want to talk about from the other side and things that my partners here have done as well, which they've taught me is speak up when things start to shift in a direction you don't like. I was I would have never thought to do that if I had not seen Katie take that lead and do things like that. I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. I can say something. I can send an email to HR, whoever the parties that may be. And that's a skill set that I have a skill set in writing. I have a skill set in being able to be persuasive and communicate and to support my case. Like use those skill sets, not just in your primary role, but in helping to advance the position for parents. So I'm really glad I have you all to help me just level up all the time. (laughs) Let me just say that. And I just appreciate all of the insights and the vulnerability here. Mai, did you have anything else you wanted to say to just encourage the parents out there or any other comments before we wrap this thing up? I mean, I think you guys hit it all, especially Katie. I'm glad she brought in the whole, you know, at the end of the day, what do you bring to your, um, as an employee and why do you want to be an employee or an employer if you want to own your own business and be a mom at the same time? So I think that was a key piece I didn't address. And, and when it comes down to it, you know, it's something where I feel like it brings me joy 
it uses a lot of my skills that I either don't bring to my other full-time job as a mom. And I feel like need to also be strengthened, but um, it's something that I know why I'm doing this. And I also show my kids by doing that, that I can, I have a good work-life balance that I know what my priorities are. And I want them in turn to figure out, you know, not just that catchphrase, what's your purpose and live it out, but find joy in the things you do each and every day. Make sure what you're doing aligns with who you are at, the, at your core and then make sure that you share the love and, and, and all of the, the things that come from, from being a fruitful and, and, and fulfilled individual with those around you. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great conversation. I'm excited. Katie, did you want to offer anything else? Yeah. Maybe just the last thing that I would say is that, you know, I, I don't know exactly how this next comment will come off. I'm hopeful that people will take it as I mean it, but when I decided to work after having my daughter, I'm not sure it was a decision. Honestly, I think it was just like, I assumed I'm going back to work. Like I Mm -hmm. didn't even consider really staying home. And I have so much love and respect for women and men who do that. But for me, I, I made the decision internally that I know that I have something to offer this workforce and that I wanted to, Mm. and that I didn't, I didn't want, I wasn't ready to step out of it yet. And so I felt really strongly about that. I had a spouse who was supportive of it. I don't, I'm not even sure we had a conversation like, will you go back to work? You know, I think it was just like, <laughs> tell me the date that you decided to go back again. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that's really important. I mean, and that's, that's a decision that all of us made here on this podcast, even though, you know, we're highly respective of people who make different ones. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's really important you know, do I want to, and just taking the time to reflect on that. And I think that's kind of been a theme in this whole conversation is all these things, these external things, these internal things going on, you've got to take time to really figure out where you're at on all these positions. What's important to you? What do you value? What's going to fill your cup up? How can you develop those relationships that tribe to support you? There's a lot of inner work that has to take place to really get to a place where you are confident in your decisions and you have to start trusting yourself and like tapping into that place where I'm going to follow my lead. And, you know, if it's something that you do and trusting God and co-laboring with him on it too, and saying like, Lord, where do you want to lead me? What do you have for me to do? And if you can get to that point, I feel like you're going to be more confident. And as Katie mentioned too, you're going to have some rough days and that's okay. (laughs) And so I want to just wrap this up with just, you knowing that you're not alone in this. If you're struggling with any of this, a lot of us have been here. Sometimes we don't talk about it, but we are trying to now you are seen, you're heard, and you're not alone in any of this. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that it really encourages you and empowers you to keep going. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today please be sure to write a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Fem Collective Podcast, and we can continue the discussion by joining our Fem Collective Facebook group. Until next time.